Tech Talk. Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. This is News Talk. Welcome along to Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Coming up over the next hour, we'll hear about the new legislation that's going to put extra pressure on big tech to protect its users. John Riley will join me to look at Gamescom 23. And the ISPCC will tell us about a new app aimed at kids to tackle cyberbullying. As always, you can email the show techtalk at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Instagram at jesskellynt. But we're going to start this week uh, with news from the world of gaming because a few weeks ago, uh, John Riley was with me and we were talking about new releases, uh, but also you mentioned, John, uh, Gamescom was taking place. Yep. And it took place. It happened. Uh, thoughts and feelings? Yeah, um, it's in Cologne every year. It's the biggest one in the world, really. Like it's it's about three hundred thousand people attend, mm-hmm. uh, so it's huge for the European market, for the international market. All the big developers kind of attend, apart from Sony, that didn't play ball this year. They seem to be doing their own thing a lot as of late. Uh, but Nintendo were there, and yeah, there was a big big announcement or big kind of keynote or they call it opening night live so it's like a two hour session there on Tuesday the 22nd I think of August and uh Jeff Keighley, I don't know, he's the guy that does the Game Awards every year. He's a big kind of representative for gaming and like these awards are like the Oscars. So he hosted it. And yeah, there was something like they, they did temper expectations before they went into the show saying, look, at, this is just going to be like some big updates for games you know are coming yeah. with some other smaller titles being announced on the night. There was no big massive reveals of kind of AAA blockbuster titles. So that was a good thing to do because we know mm. how carried away people can get. So yeah, there was about 35 trailers were shown. Like there was a lot of stuff, a lot of content in those two hours that they just kind of kept firing through. So I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed seeing some, ty- some of the, like, there was a bit of an Asian focus. There's a lot of anime, or oh, sorry, what do you call it? Or Asian RPGs that were the kind of um, more anime, manga style titles that have a huge audience in kind of the European market and obviously even more so in the Asian market that you wouldn't see as prominent in say the the more American style gaming yeah, okay. conferences. So it was interesting to see that as well. Before we talk through some of the bits that we saw, uh, Sony not showing up and playing ball. We've seen this with phone companies over the years. You know the way everyone used to be at MWC? Um, yeah. MWC. yeah. And then bit by bit, people started breaking away and doing their own little events. Like, while I completely understand that they want their own time in the sun, yeah. from a tech fan point of view, and it's not all about us, but you know, <laughs> from our point of view, or even from a journalist point of view, it's not great when I, I much rather have everyone on site. Yeah. Because then you can kind of do comparisons of like, oh, well, it looks class from Samsung. I'm not yeah. so sure about Huawei or whatever. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Everything is comparative. Yeah. Whereas when it breaks away, I feel like it gets watered down a little bit. Or is that just me being... No, like it's happened. E3 was one of the biggest ones. Does it that was, still exist? No, way? it's kind it's of dead. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 been, it? it's been, in a way, yeah. yeah. yeah but it was kind of sli- slightly dying even pre-COVID mm. in, the, in the likes of Sony, who were one of, used to be one of the biggest exhibitors at the event every year in June in Los Angeles. And it's the one I used to look forward to so much every year to be like watching these big, the biggest game developers in the world and the, big, the g- biggest game studios would gather in LA and they'd be like back to back days of announcements and, you know, huge reveals and like you get so excited and then it just slowly started to fizzle out and then COVID really was the nail in the coffin. Mm. I think they tried to resurrect it last year. Again, I can't really remember for a definite, but it really just wasn't working. Um, So yeah, like this, spin, the, you know, co- companies obviously feel they get better value for their money by spinning off, doing their own little um event, be it just near 
the timing of said massive event, but it's not actually part of that conference mm. or just kind of completely not going out with that same, you know, staying away from all the noise that's coming out of these events and creating their own noise at a different date, either before or after. So, yeah, look, we what happens in tech with those big tech announcements with MWC and IFA, and now obviously E3 was enormous. That's pretty much dead. Now Gamescom is flying the flag and then there's Tokyo Game Show and a couple of others that are still going strong. Um, and now and this Gamescom really did show that it is successful if it's done right, but it was a shame that Sony wasn't present. Yeah, I just, I don't know, again, that's one of those random things that I probably overthink more than anyone else. Um, so talk me through, you said around 35 trailers. Um, talk me through what we saw and give me your take on, uh, you know, has it added to your hype for things or has it actually diluted in some way? No, I like this year is just cr- like... This, the backlog everyone's experienced backlog for everything be it weddings or God knows what with work and then now with game developers they, their backlog from COVID was that their games are finally getting finished now they were delayed and they were postponed and they were worked on remotely and now like between now and Christmas is insane mm. for the amount of titles that are coming up so I'm almost glad they didn't announce anything new in the, in the coming you months wouldn't have capacity I wouldn't have time it. Jess yeah. I just wouldn't do it yeah. <laughs> so, they're so sound <laughs> <laughs> but like you, it's what they call stacked like October is stacked with titles and September all the way up to Christmas, even post-Christmas, there's so many good games coming that I'm really excited about. Big, big AAA blockbusters and smaller indie titles. Mm. So Starfield really is the big, big player that was kind of the big, big title that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I remember, yeah. Yeah, coming to Xbox and PC exclusively, not on PlayStation. This is a huge space exploration title from Bethesda opened the show with a live action trailer like this is like huge money and like this is going to be make the numbers that are coming out I'd imagine are going to be huge mm. uh, so that's got, that's got me excited that's September 6th that's going to be at an Xbox Game Pass free of charge Wow so this is where this the is Games Pass comes into it 100% like this is the value that people like this is a huge title that costs you 60, 70, 80 quid and it's going to be just added day one on Game Pass You see this is and the last time you're on and if you didn't listen why weren't you? But also you can listen back on uh, the news talk app Power by Go Loud. But we were talking about um, the game shops closing, yeah. the GameStop being gone and Argos being gone. And uh, that thing of, you know, the Xbox Games Pass, it makes pure sense if you're paying, like you could, you, you don't have to be already a member. You could sign up on September 6th and get this yep. title for a fraction of the cost of if you went out and found a store that was selling it and get a physical copy of it. Yeah, and I think they're, 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 they're always doing kind of incentives to get people on board. Like, I think it used to be like a euro for a month, but they mm. knew that was almost too good value. Uh, so they've gone, they might, it might, I don't know if it's still available now, but like they knocked it down to like two weeks. But even still, it's now, it, they have increased the cost, you know, just everything is going up in price, but it's still 15 euro a month. So if you were to go in and play play this new Starfield relentlessly for two months, you're looking at 30 quid just for that one title. And then, Never mind the rest of the titles that are on there. You're still saving 50% of the cost of what the title could be. So it's really, yeah, the value is insane that this this brand new Bethesda title is going to be sitting there on day one. So I'm really excited. Okay, so that is September 6th. Yep. Uh, you had a bit of extended gameplay for Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. Yeah, look at like like Christmas comes around every year as is a Call of Duty <laughs> title. So they know where to make their money. This yeah. is a, a, a direct follow on from last year's Modern Warfare 2, unsurprisingly. Some people are almost calling it Modern Warfare 2 DLC. So there's a bit of contention going, is this a new game or is it just a load of missions you've kind of made to add on to what was the existing game from last year? So it's kind of a funny way of looking at it because usually it's a whole new entity, a whole new kind of iteration of a previous game or kind of a new take on a previous Call of Duty game so this is one of the first times they've gone directly into a sequel from the same storyline as the last game Mm. which people would say well why didn't you just add those missions to what I already have 
Yeah. So. Now, as I as you're speaking there, somebody sent me a message. I said that you were coming on. Yep. And said, ask him about the new Red Dead game launch because it's 50 quid and it's a 13 year old game with no real improvements. Yeah, that's God, Rockstar taking the mick like and that's on the Switch and PS4 and then you can do backwards compatibility onto the PS5. It's the first time it's been natively available on what they were calling modern PlayStation systems. And God, like the games are fantastic. Red Dead is one of the best. And then they have Grand Theft Auto, which they've brought out three times now, Grand Theft Auto 5. So I was looking at Red Dead, the, this remaster, not even remaster, it's just a relaunch on the Switch because I was like, it's crazy you can run a game that could only run on a console, home console, now on a portable device. I just find that impressive. Yeah. And the guys, the team that were behind it, their name escapes me, a kind of a third party remastering or, uh, you know, relaunching studio that helped bring it onto the Switch did a fantastic job from what I've seen. But they're really like... There really isn't enough to warrant that that price tag, and whoever you're, the, the listener is, they're absolutely right. It's kind of it's a shame how they're trying to really pull their fans through the ringer. And mm. you know, Rockstar are you know they're one of the highest, highly re- regarded game developers in the world. But with these tactics and these kind of marketing or kind of approaches to how their relaunches or their uh, rem- not even remasters, mm. yeah, I, it's it's not ideal at all, to be honest. Yeah, I don't like stuff like that. I think it is a bit gougy. Yeah, that's the word. Sorry, I meant gougy. And it's such a shame because they're such a good studio. But now they're just, they're, they're, they're obviously shareholders and whoever else is saying, no, no, grow out 50 quid, even though we did nothing to the game. Mm. We ported it, but uh, that's the word. Sorry, it was a port, but no real benefits or no real upscaling. No, Like even on the PS4, you're not getting much of a, of a, of a boost as such or any kind of real improvements. So it's a shame. Ugh. Yeah, not good. Not good. Uh... The the one that I saw from um, from Gamescom that got me really really excited. There was two actually, but the Sonic Superstars. Yeah, they're like look at nostalgia buzz. We every every film studio in the world is going back to the likes of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Super Mario is coming out. So now Sonic is having his he's being incredibly successful in the cinemas. Mm-hmm. So Sega, the developers or the creators of Sonic, are obviously this isn't the first time Sonic's been brought back. He's he's he has a kind of a full scale open world title called Sonic Frontiers on the consoles. But we've got this more more of a kind of an old school side scrolling title like we used to play back on the Mega Drive. Like I personally used to start gaming with was Sonic, and they're bringing back this brand new title called Sonic Superstar is coming in September. Real nineties nostalgia buzz, and that just coincidentally or uh, intentionally is launching the same day as the new upcoming Nintendo Switch title, Super Mario Wonders. Uh, Wonder. Uh, so there's going to be two huge nostalgic drivers there that I was kind of thinking, is this going to be like Barbenheimer all over again? <laughs> We've got world. well, yeah, they're not really contradictory <laughs> as those two titles, but I mean it's like nostalgia overload. You've yeah. got a brand new Sonic and a brand new Super Mario title, side scrolling like you used to play it back in the day, coming to these consoles or coming to the Switch anyways for Super Mario and then other consoles along with the Switch for uh, Sonic. So yeah, good time to be a '90s kid. Yeah, I really want to talk to you when you've had a chance to play these games yeah. to see. As someone who plays the biggest titles on the most powerful powerful consoles, and we've spoken before about how, you know, a game is almost akin to a movie in terms of the graphics and the soundscape and what you have to do. So I'd be dying to hear what you make of just going back to a side-scrolling game of like... I'll tell you now, I'd lose interest very quickly. I'm just like, I have the most powerful game console here. Why am I playing this? And it's like, that's that people would go, God, you're not a gamer if you think it's all about graphics and visual fidelity and power. Like gameplay is 
is number one and how fun a game is. But to me, I get enjoyment out of them pushing the, the graphical barrier, the, the, the narrative scope, all that kind of stuff mm. that it really is an interactive movie. Whereas side-scrolling on a six, 500 euro console, I'm just like, Ehh. It feels like a bit of a wasted potential. Like this could, this could be a, the perfect mobile yeah. game as in download on your phone yeah. when you're on the loose into work and you've got 30 minutes to yeah. kill, that kind of thing. But I still... I, I don't know. There's, there's obviously an audience for this. You know, people love these old school harking back to their childhood, to the, but remastering them in a way that they're more fluid, they look better, sharper, you know, more crystal clear. But like, look at Super Mario now. That will only be on the Switch. So that makes me feel less kind of like, right, this console is only playable on this portable device and it's, I can't play it anywhere else. Whereas Sonic is like, it's on the PS5. It's going to be on the Xbox yeah. Series X. You're like, there's t- you know, I want to spend my money on games that are using this console to its best. Yeah, and even your TV as well. Yeah. Like, y- I don't know I, I do completely agree with you I, I have a bit of a grawl for those nostalgic games and when I saw the trailer I was like <gasps> but then I was thinking would I go out and buy it yeah again it's kind of more, it put it to a streaming service or put it onto a subscription service maybe and you can jump in for the nostalgia buzz but for mm-hmm. me personally I know there's going to be huge fans out there that are going to pick it up day one I might pick up Super Mario Wonder um, or Super Mario Bros again the name escapes me but I'm not sure about Sonic unfortunately yeah it'll be interesting to see yeah. how that goes down uh, we got a racing game thing from Ubisoft. Yeah, Ubisoft are kind of they've been slack, they've been hacking away at their their crew franchise for the last number of years. The crew two is still hugely popular. I think it came out about five years ago now. I was at the launch over in, in the UK, but now their new title is coming on September fourteenth, I think, uh, called the Crew Motor Fest. Mm. So this is an open world game based in Hawaii. I played the beta when it came out a couple of weeks ago, and I had really good fun. Think of Forza Horizon. Okay, I'm in. So it's Ubisoft's version of Forza, and they might hate that comparison. They might I love that comparison because what I played I really enjoyed and what I saw online people really were enjoying they were taken aback by how good it was Okay. so I'm really looking forward to that and one thing they're doing which is very pro-consumer is when the game launches on the 14th of September across all platforms be it the old consoles too the old Xbox One PS4 and it'll be on PS5 Series X S and PC everywhere basically um, there will be a 5 hour free trial for everyone so you can okay. just jump in, play it for five hours, and if you like it, that prog- that progress you've built up will carry straight over to the game. You, you if you end up buying it, so that's a really good move, and it got good PR out of Gamescom there on Tuesday. That people go, oh, that's a good gesture. It could be hard. To, it sounds like it, you know, technically it could be a bit of a pain in the arse, but they're going to do it, and the, you know, other games have done it, and I think it's a really good way to kind of really get that game out there because it's such a busy period. A five-hour free trial is a generous enough free yeah, trial. It could be an it could be an, an hour. Like I know PlayStation do certain free trials on their. Pre- premium package or their extra package on their PlayStation Plus subscription and some of them are like I think one was 45 minutes I was like are you actually serious it was some something comical mm. yeah so five hours gives you really enough time you can see there's a good sweetener going oh Oh, oh God, that's over. Oh, I'm going to pay. I'm going to buy it. And the thing is, if you get to the end of the five hours, yeah. you know you're like, that you you're like in, it. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, exactly. Okay, sensational. Uh, Cyberpunk? Yes, so we've spoke about it enough, but let's let's look at the positives here. They've got a... Are a, there positives, John? There is. Because, like, even watching the show on Tuesday, the one of the developers, she came out and she was talking about this new DLC that's coming to Cyberpunk on current gen and PC only. So they're leaving the old consoles behind because of the the damage that did because the game just ran horrendously on the old PS4 and Xbox One. So this DLC is coming to the new gen consoles or the current gen PC called Phantom Liberty. And the crowd went wild when this came out. Um, So they've really built back up that. It's been three years since it came out, almost three years. And like the turnaround they've done, they've continuously developed and updated this game. Mm. And come September 26th, Phantom Phantom Liberty 
relaunches. It stars Idris Elba, so which is a really good coup. Yeah. Because they, they had Keanu Reeves from when it originally launched and that was enormously, that blew up when he came out to, to promote the game. Yeah. And now Idris, he hasn't necessarily done huge promotion just yet, but he's in the game as, a, as a, one of the characters, yeah. It shows how big yeah. these gaming franchises can be or yeah. these gaming titles can be that they have huge, huge a, names. The biggest of the A list. Yeah. So There's money to be made for everyone involved. So yeah, it's if you if you can if you can pay for it, you can get these 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 actors into your games, why not? It looks it, it win win for everyone. And is like I don't want to keep going back to a three year old story, but I can't help myself. Is it, have you played the yeah, title since? I was playing it last night. And yeah, it, they've really they've. I played it. I'm playing it on the Series X. It looks visually very, very impressive. There's almost next to no technical issues whatsoever. Like there was a couple of bumps, but no game is perfect. And I'm enjoying the story, like because like if you actually get into it and commit to the storylines, that kind of it's really well written. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to this. I'm going to okay. pick this up. Okay. Um, yeah. Definitely. Okay, I'll judge from our <laughs> uh, Mortal Kombat 1. Yeah, again, nostalgia buzz, but not necessarily brand new entry into the Mortal Kombat franchise, launching, I think, September 19th. Um, the Yeah, incredibly gruesome, mm-hmm. incredibly fun, great kind of uh, in, uh, engaging and entertaining storylines about how they're competing against each other. You're like, they're fighting. What is the story? like? Yeah. But they, they weave in all this kind of like traveling between universes and whatever. I've always been a fan. Again, started ga- my gaming back on the Sega Mega Drive with the original Mortal Kombat. So count me in. I'm, I'm down for this one. It looks fantastic. You're going to have such a busy September. Yeah, but it's all good because it's been such a bit of a lull. I've been get, catching up on games over the summer now because it's been a bit quieter. Yeah. Um, and there's been ones I picked up that were a bit smaller that I forgot about. But now, yeah, it's going to be bananas for the next, what is it, four months? It's mm. going to be crazy, but I'm, I can't wait. I think now might be a good time if you've never gotten on board with any of the Games Pass offering yeah. things. Yep. Just because there are so many great titles and then you've got all these new ones. Yeah, Game Pass, like we, I know, like Xbox Game Pass just shows you how it should be done. Starfield's coming, the new Forza Motorsports or the more kind of simulator realistic version of Forza is coming out. Mm. Day one Game Pass, huge advancements, looks spectacular from what I've seen. That's going to be free, that's going to be on Game Pass along with an endless amount of other titles too. Okay, great stuff. Um, there's so much up on theeffect.net if people want to go over and have a read through some of what we've talked about there in, in more depth. John Riley of theeffect.net, thank you so much. Cheers, Jess. Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. Welcome back to Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Now, a few weeks ago, I mentioned that I was on a week off and I managed to stay clear of my work email and my Microsoft Teams, which is just sensational. Uh, but another thing I achieved was I got to read for the first time. I, I like since my big holiday earlier in the summer, uh, I managed to get through a few books in five or six days, which was just so good for my soul. I read uh, Clash of the Clans by Nicola Talent, which is fascinating. If you listen to Nicola's podcast, Crime World, and it's all about true crime, um, Clash of the Clans goes into detail about uh, the Kinnahans and the Hutch um, organised crime groups. It's fascinating. Uh, I also read a book, a fiction book, uh, by uh, Shari Lapina. Uh, Everyone Here is Lying. It was recommended to me by Claire Darmody from the Pat Kenny Show, and it was great. Uh, But it got us in the office here talking about maybe we need to start up our own little book club. Because there's a lot of bookworms in this building. We're all kind of nerdy dorks in our own special way. 
And speaking of nerdy dorks, uh, Kira Tracy. <laughs> did not just do that. <laughs> Welcome back. It is an honour, I think. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a compliment in there somewhere. Yeah, you just somewhere have to scrape through. Yeah, uh, no, because you messaged me being like, we should do our own little book club because you're a big reader as well. Massive reader. In the last few months, I have been getting through books like nobody's business. It mm. is so good for the soul. Well, obviously you're on Tech Talk, so let me ask the question. Do you read physical books or are you an e-reader gal? This is going to make me unpopular here, but um, I read physical books. I love the smell of them. I love the physicality of it, you know, being able to actually feel the book, if you will. I'm getting too deep already. Yeah. And um, I love going to bookshops. Like that is one of my top therapies, I think. Yeah, I love going into a bookshop and moseying around. Uh, but it's so funny. So anytime I, we, we talk about books and I've been on, you know, the hard shoulder with Kieran talking about my, my favourite books over the years and all that kind of stuff. People go mad if you say you like an e-reader and they get real uppity about it going, that's not really reading or, you know, why do you have to have technology and everything? I read physical books. The two or three that I read on my few days off were physical books. But for me, it's the convenience of the Kindle that is sensational. So it's amazing. It's cheaper. It's more accessible. It's lighter in your bag so you don't have to take loads. But actually... To get all intersectional in the news talk group, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, when Nicola Talent, who you just mentioned, was on Lunchtime Live, she actually said that she hates the idea of reading on like an iPad because, and this, I know I'd be guilty of this, my mind would wonder, I'd be like, oh, I need to look this up. And then I would use that same screen to mm. look things up. So I just think screens are a problem for me. So I need to put it all down and yeah. set it aside and actually pick up the book. And then I'm like, Yeah, I um, have a Kindle Oasis, which is the notions of the Kindles, uh, because of course I do. It's got the bigger screen, it's got buttons on the side. And because it's just an e-reader, I don't do that thing of Googling and all the rest. Um, And what I love is you can highlight bits in the book as well and you can make notes and... I don't know. I really, really like it. I have it tied to an app called Good uh, Goodreads. Oh, yeah, I'm familiar. Yeah, it's amazing. Every book I've ever read is logged in there because oh if God. someone asks me for a book recommendation, I'm like, yeah. I can't think. A hundred percent. So that's why I suppose it's not massively surprising that I would be more techie inclined when it comes to my reading, if you know what I mean. Do you think you're actually getting something out of it or do you think you're still looking at a screen? You're still having to, you know, you're in that kind of space of I'm staring at another screen. No, because the the e-paper type screen or the e-ink kind of screen very like it's not hard in your eyes at all and you can change it so that you know if you are someone who like I'm a glasses wearing human so sometimes I need to make the text a little bit bigger and you right. can pinch the zoom um pinch zoom to make the text bigger and all that kind of stuff which is great uh but I don't feel like I'm on a screen now as I said I still do read physical books yeah. but the big thing for me is the convenience factor when I am away if I finish a book and I want to read the next one by that author or whatever rather than having to find a bookshop you can just download it instantly that is obviously and before anyone texts in or emails (laughs) in or tweets me or insta me support your local bookshop absolutely 110% like I go into bookshops all the time I was in one last night uh, and I bought two books for my little nephew Cohen uh, it's like my favourite thing in the world just going in and moseying around Um, so there's a place for both physical books and e-readers um, but the reason I wanted to have you in is because you mentioned you stumbled upon a Facebook group yes I'm not a massive Facebook user myself but because you're 12 years old because <laughs> I am a fetus as I yes. believe you called me yesterday yes. um, so yeah I was actually seeking it out so basically I read a lot of books now and 
it is becoming a strain on my bank account because I'm constantly going in to say Dupre and I'm like, right, I need to get all these. Um, so I was trying to find a way to get books cheaper. Um, and also it's nice to have a little community and be able to talk about these kind of yeah. things. So basically I found on Facebook Book Swap Island. Mm-hmm. So it is for the country. There are 5.3 thousand members on this Facebook chat. Well, on this Facebook page. And basically you can put like what I did last night, put up a picture of all the books that you're happy to get rid of and say, hey, um, had these up for grabs. I am looking for, and then I think I listed off a few Jane Austen books that I'm looking to read or whatever, mm. just to get pretentious points in Obviously, at the same time. Yeah, yeah. well done, well done. <laughs> um, and people will be like, oh, I have this. Um, can I please have, say, How to Lose the Time War? And then so far I've had two people message in. They don't have the books I'm looking for, so if anyone has them, <laughs> drop me a message. Um, but they're like, please, can I have this book? And they pay postage. So you either swap books or they will send you the postage money. And it's just really wholesome. That is very, very wholesome. It is like being back in school again yeah. and swapping books around. Literally, Because uh, what I find is I have a shelf in my apartment that is full of books that I have loved. Right. And I don't want to give them away. Yeah. But I also don't have the space to keep this is them it. the entire time. The, and this is another thing. Like, I don't even have a shelf. I've just crammed everything into my wardrobe. Mm. And it's becoming a pain. And I, then you start feeling a bit guilty. Like, am I hoarding right now? But this group is so cute because I've just been, like, scouring it. Like, there are, like, I'd say, 60-odd posts a day in it, I think wow. I saw. So, like, it's actually very active. And it's so cute because people will be like... Um, they'll at the person who sent them a book with the book and usually there's little like sweets and chocolate inside as well people send little so gifts cute. they're like thanks so much for the book and it's so cute like I put like I'm, this is me being such a nerd I can't believe I'm admitting this but I was like great to be part of the group and people were like welcome and it's just so cute but this is okay it's it's very very cute but it's also the fundamental point of social media it was the building of communities and that commonality of sharing yeah, interests and so, so on so I actually I do like I know I slag you a good bit but like that is <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I into do. that <laughs> I, I would love to know are you in this group do you have the book Kira wants you can email oh, techtalk at newstalk.com but are there other like are there other things that we're missing out on is anyone part of a virtual book club have you ever done a virtual book club with people you don't know and do zoom calls and all that kind of stuff not virtual actually but when I first moved to Dublin I did go to a book club like an actual okay I think it was for women in their 20s and 30s and we met up at like a pub and um, but it was rammed actually and um we just talked about the book and it was really sweet and it was just to get to know each other like I still chat to some of the people I met there mm. maybe a bit clicky for my liking just because you could tell everyone was quite well established in there okay not like if the if like another book came up because I still get the emails I probably would go again mm. and just be like Force yourself in, yeah. Um, but and I definitely am on the lookout for more of those opportunities. Hence, why I'm constantly nagging you, Jess. Please set up a book club for the station. <laughs> I think we might have to set one up. Uh, yeah. But if you if you have an established uh, book club, will you email us and invite us, please? At Again, talk please. at newstalk.com. <laughs> also, if you've any book recommendations that you think that we should be on, uh, like what is the ultimate first book club book that you think we should oh, do? Oh my God, that's really intense. Should it be a new one or should it be a classic or should it be like a cult favourite? I'm tempted to say, and actually I would love for people to email you about this. I'm a massive sci-fi head. You are. And actually I would never, ever, ever pick up a sci-fi book. It, that's crazy. Ever. 
And then you recommended one to me that I really liked. Yes, Dark Matter by Blake Crouch, one of my favourite authors of all time. He's so great when it comes to this. And I'm not a massive science head, but mm. he makes it so accessible, I feel. Yeah. Um, and I love the idea of like parallel universes, different dimensions, time travel. All of that is proper, like it completes me, you know, mm. when I get to read like cool, like really creative books like that. So... I would have to say, if you, I have more of those books up my sleeve, if that's what you want for the first book of our book club. Okay, does anyone else want to join in? We're now establishing, so forget inviting us to your book club. You can come yes. to our book club. Uh, oh my we God, will... I can do the newsletters. I'm actually imagining this already. The Instagram page I is I feel like this up. has gone from an interview to a production meeting now. Uh, like... <laughs> <laughs> right, if you want to be involved, we're going to read a sci-fi book. Uh, we'll give four weeks for people to read it. If yeah. you want to get involved, email me, techtalk at newstalk.com. I would love to hear of more of those wholesome communities online. It doesn't have to be about books, but if you found your tribe in the digital world, because I'm fed up talking about the bad stories of social media, uh, please do get in touch. And uh, yeah, Kira, you'll be back then in a month's time for our first book club. I can't wait. I'm so glad that I've just kind of forced your hand. Yeah. <laughs> On we go. Thank you very much. Moving right along and to something uh, completely different, uh, earlier this week a new app aimed at children and teenagers was launched here in Ireland with the view to help tackle cyberbullying. Fiona Jennings of the ISPCC is with me now to tell us more. Uh, Fiona, it's always great to talk with you. Uh, tell me a little bit more about this app. Hi Jess. Yes, the new app Tozy. Um, so we're absolutely thrilled to be part of this important initiative. So Tozy um, is an app developed by Vodafone Ireland Foundation in partnership with DCU and ISPCC. And I guess what it is, it's an app that's giving children and young people that space where they can be online and be safe and I guess kind of like navigate their way through different issues if they have issues around online safety or cyberbullying or whatever it might be. And importantly then as well, I suppose, our part in it is that, you know, if they do need to talk some, to somebody, that Chiline is available through the app as well to talk to us. Yeah, what I love about this idea um, is that it's aimed at the young person, because very often when we talk about online safety, it's aimed at supports for parents and carers. Whereas this is, as you mentioned, they're specifically designed for children. There's, you know, different uh, stories, there's tips, there's advice there's a journaling area. There's a whole host of different features there specifically aimed for young people. And I know having worked with you guys in the past, you're all about bringing the young people into the conversation, getting their feedback and talking with them rather than at them. Absolutely. And I guess, you know, there, as you said, like, you know, there are three features that within the app and the app as well. You know, DCU in designing the app worked with children and young people, you know, as co-designers for the app. So they were very heavily involved in developing it. And there are different play are different spaces, I suppose, even if you want, within the app. And as you said, Jess, they're very much in control. It's very much about them. They can curate it if you want, in any way that in any shape that they want to. And they have like an area called Cosmos, so which is that library of the stories. There's, you know, there's practical tips in there and advice on cyberbullying, because I suppose sometimes, you know, when children are experiencing cyberbullying, they don't they don't necessarily realize, you know, what's happening to them, that it is cyberbullying, that they, you know, that they that they can get help or support for it as well. Mm -hmm. And then you have that more, I suppose, personal part of it as well, that MySpace part. 
And that's where, you know, the child or young person using the app, they're able to personalize it. It's pin protected. Um, and it's really cool because you can, you know, you can log your feelings or log your mood. And and there's a part in it then as well where, you know, you can jot down like your thoughts or create a journal around different things as well. And I suppose it's nice then it keeps it there then so you can go back and you can reflect on it as well. And then I guess, obviously, as I said, the other part then as well, you know, if you do need to talk to somebody else that there is access, you can connect then to Chiline as well by ISPCC onto our web chat or our phone as well. Yeah, and just to remind parents and carers, if you if you haven't come across it already, head over to ispcc.ie and on the website, you'll see a whole host of resources there. There's the Parenting Hub and there's the Digital Hub. And it's really worth clicking through because there is some great insight and advice and even talking points um, in terms of things that you may not have considered or conversation starters to have with your child. Uh, so it is a great resource. Um, the app that we mentioned, uh, so it's T-O-Z-I, Tozy. Uh, I assume that's available on both iOS and Android. Yes, it's free to download. So Tozy is free to download on iOS and Android in Ireland. Um, and it's really simple to do. Um, and as I said, it's it's very easy to, there's minimal setup part of it as well. So absolutely to encourage parents to download it for themselves even and I'm sure that they would get something out of it and for their children as well who are using connected devices to pop the app on the devices that they have as well. Brilliant stuff. Well Fiona Jennings from the ISPCC is always great to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining me here on Newstalk. Thanks Jess. Now when we come back here on Newstalk, what is the Digital Services Act and should you care? Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. Welcome back to the final part of this week's Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. And it's my favourite time of the week because John Fardy is here to preview his wonderful show, Screen Time. John, how are you, chicken? I'm great. All the better for being here. Sat in front of you. That's such a lie. But anyway, on we go. <laughs> What's on the show this week? We have uh, all the week's new releases as always in the company of Chris Wasser, a fascinating new Irish movie of sorts, Future Tense, and a brilliant new sports documentary called Mission to Burnley, which is these great documentary makers who basically followed Burnley in the championship for a year with Vincent Company having taken over mm-hmm. as manager and these really unusual owners who are actually Mormons, Church of mm-hmm. the Latter-day Saints, and they have a spectacular year and the access they got was Incredible. And I, you know, it's not a sports show, obviously, but sports documentaries make for a great watch when they're done well, because in a way they've nothing to do with sport. They're more about the life. camaraderie and the personalities. Yeah, and all that stuff. And they're great metaphors. So uh, it, it's a great chat I have with Did them. you watch, sounds fantastic. I'll be <laughs> Correct listening. Uh, did you watch the Wrexham one with Ryan Reynolds and Rob yes, McElhenney? Yes, yes, that was That was enjoyable. It's a while since I saw that, but yes, no, I did. The one I... Adore of late yeah. is the last dance, which is a basketball one. Yes, with Michael Jordan. That was that, that reminds was just me of COVID, incredible. though. That of was COVID? like that was the COVID watch. Yeah, Everyone I suppose, was I suppose with it that. was to a certain extent. But that was the best sports documentary of of recent years. I thought. Yeah, uh, do you know? Because last week you were talking about the Tyson Fury show. Oh yeah, yeah. And I just find I found when I watched the wreck something that there was a touch of the reality TV show about the Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds thing. 
it was all very polished and produced and maybe it aired a little bit too much on the entertainment like obviously it's the star factor and that's why people were watching it but the bit about the football club and the long term fans mm. who go to every match even though they lose every match you know what I mean like that dedication those real stories if you will yeah it's compelling viewing and you get so emotionally invested in people you couldn't pick out of a lineup. Absolutely. And there's another great one, uh, Sunderland Till I Die, which has Oh, I watched that as well. Fans, which is what this whole business of football and sports fandom is all meant to be about, essentially. Not billions of euros from the Middle East, you know. Um, the other one that I, now, I don't know, does it, does it, does it count you as Senadoc? Oh yeah, absolutely. That that in a way started a resurgence in sports documentaries. Because if you said to someone, you know, it, it's a documentary about a Formula One driver, most people who, particularly if you're not into Formula One, mm. would say, oh, "I'm not really into that." And that is one of the most compelling documentaries ever made. Asif Kapadi was the guy who did that, and he just makes brilliant documentaries. He did one about Maradona, yeah. which has no voiceover in it, and it's just all this footage of him and Napoli. God, I feel like watching that now when I think about it. He's one of the greatest documentary makers ever. He did the Amy Winehouse one as well. Brilliant. We mentioned but him Senna a few weeks ago. Didn't uh, me yeah, you? No, or someone else you were talking to? No, you and I, uh, we were talking we? about the... Because I had been talking to Colin Buig about the Wham Doc and oh, about yes. Oasis yes. and all the Sorry. rest. So yeah, you yeah. did. Yeah, yeah I pay did. attention in our yeah, conversation. You too, clearly I do. Um, well, listen, No, but Cathy, Senna... Uh, <laughs> I was going to say something, but I won't. Uh, with the Senna thing, because Harry put that on at home and I was like, oh, here yeah. we go. I dehydrated myself crying. It's yeah. one of the most like gripping things and you kind of love and hate everyone in it. But th- this is what I mean about a great sports documentary. People will sometimes be put off by them because they're not into sport. But I think I get not watching football matches or basketball mm. matches or Formula One, right? Because it's not your thing and mm. it doesn't work for you. It doesn't work for you. But the documentaries that are sometimes made about these things are so much more. One of the greatest ever, I don't know how much more time I have, but hoop dreams back in the 90s about these American kids attempting to become basketball players. Bold statement, probably the greatest sports documentary ever made. Wow. Yeah, check it out. Hoop Dreams. Unbelievable. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's a good recommendation. It is. And if you want more of those good recommendations, 6pm News Talk, Screen Time. For relaxing times. Get out of my studio, chicken. Thank you very much. Bye. Now, uh, before the break, I mentioned it, but uh, there's been an awful lot of talk about the Digital Services Act. This is something that big tech has been preparing for for quite some time. But be honest with me. Do you actually know what it is? Jean Kelly and Raymond Shelley of Brown Jacobson Ireland are with me now to explain. Uh, Jean, if I could start with you, uh, can you just give us a bit of context as to the what and the why of this? Um, I suppose the DSA is really a very aspirational type of law. Lawyers are very fond of using the expression that something is a landmark law. We tend to say that nearly everything is a landmark law. But the Digital Service Act really is. It is Um, a line in the sand by the European Commission in terms of the regulation of content moderation. And that's really what focuses at and the regulation of online platforms generally. So it's something that the law has matured on. Uh, You know, 20 years ago when these platforms were new, we had certain instruments that we used to regulate these platforms, um, a combination of kind of content laws and competition laws. And it was felt that they weren't enough and that, individuals' rights weren't being safeguarded sufficiently. So it became a political uh, 
driver for the European Union to be seen to regulate this area more strongly. Um, and so that's why the DSA has come about. It's a very ambitious and aspirational type of law, as I've said, and it's extremely comprehensive in terms of what it hopes um, the companies which will be subject to it will be able to deliver. Mm. And the uh, and it was passed with while there was a lot of lobbying around it and a very complex legislative process. Um, it was fairly politically broadly supported and didn't have too much opposition uh, to it internally in the European Union at any event. Can you just explain uh, who are those companies that are going to be impacted by it? Because GDPR, I know like I talk about it all the time and people kind of laugh at me and all the rest, mm. but I do think the messaging around GDPR was very clear, very concise, and the average consumer could walk away going, do you know what, my data is now better off as a result of this or I have more control as a result of this. Who are yes. the the key players in terms of the targeting of this and then is there clear concise takeaways for the average consumer yes absolutely so i suppose the i suppose the reflections on the dsa today is that there's a sliding scale of platforms who are affected and the obligations which are on those platforms reflect how large of a platform they are so we have significant obligations falling on very large online platforms or very large search engines. And those platforms will shoulder the most significant obligations, I suppose, with smaller and lesser obligations falling on online platforms more generally and hosting services. So it really depends on the size of the platform and there is some complexity in that and we accept that. But um, I suppose it's uh, it's the, the bigger you are, the bigger player you are and the more effect you have on the market that's really what drives the, the obligations. And so I suppose to take an example of um, obligations that are active now on nearly every platform is, I suppose, advertising. So one of the key changes which the DSA is ushering in is around advertising regulation and specifically advertising related to vulnerable individuals and minors. And so there's a clear ban on presenting advertising to minors, which is based on their personal data. That's an evolution of the GDPR, which we're now seeing in the DSA and something which the GDPR might have included in its own draft, but it's now being remedied in the DSA. And there's also added protections for other, um, I suppose, advertisements in, in the DSA. So the, D, the, the DSA provides, and it's linked to the, to, the, to the GDPR in respect of special category data, which is data on people, which is, I suppose protecting their vulnerabilities and, and, and special status and people cannot now be targeted by ads which use their vulnerabilities to sell goods and services so a lot of the dsa is protecting um individuals and users of platforms in very subtle and nuanced ways that users might not um, even realize when they're using platforms so yeah i think what ray has said there is very important um, i think there might be some confusion in the public mind um because there are two different categories of companies if you like that the dsa is looking at regulating one is online platforms kind of broadly cast um, and then the other is these things called VLOPs, which is, I was going to say it's an acronym, but it's not, it's an initialism. Um, and VLOP stands for very large online platforms and they will have a super category of obligations. So in much the way that Brehan Law of old had a higher set of obligations if you're a chieftain, you have a higher set of obligations if you're one of these mammoth platforms. And 
in some people's minds, I think it has become that has become abbreviated to well only those platforms need to worry about this law um, mm. and that's not so they have additional obligations for very good reasons because of their market power um, and because of the size they have to have 45 million average monthly active users in order to full, to be counted as a VLOP so it's the biggest companies you would think of if you look at your phone you identify them I always think looking at the home screen of your phone is not a bad way to identify them to be companies mm. like Meta Amazon, Amazon for the shop, uh, TikTok, Snapchat, all of that kind of stuff. Wikipedia is one, and so is Twitter or now X. So those have a an additional significant set of obligations on them. Um, yes, just going on what yourself and, and Raymond have just said there, is this something that will put manners, for want of a better phrase, on the VLOPs before the user becomes aware of something going wrong is it to make sure that their houses are in order so that we the end users don't actually realize that things but basically trying to preempt problems rather than us having to go to the online safety commissioner going this has gone wrong certainly yes i mean there's um myriad you know obligations on them particularly around due diligence of their own platforms Mm -hmm. and so very large online platforms now have to take a look indoors and put in place and install compliance teams to look at how their algorithms are, are being managed and conduct risk assessments. So that also includes risk mitigation protocols and having external audits being undertaken of how they're complying with the DSA. So those very mm-hmm. large online platforms are having to deal with significant external reviews of how they're managing their compliance as well. So certainly it will have that manners effect, which you refer to, yes. Yeah, and I think that that's something, like for such a long time, it's all been self-regulation at the hands of the tech companies, against the tech companies, if you know what I mean. It's always been, the ball's always been in their court. Um, Who will be, or what body here in Ireland will be governing compliance as such you know because we have the data protection commission obviously for gdpr and for a whole host of other things is this something for a commission man and specifically the online safety commissioner yeah it's it's a combination of the commission man and for the vlops um the european commission sorry ray you were about to jump in yes and i suppose there are elements in there for the data protection commissioner as well around the data elements so there's uh i suppose there's there are several regulators involved as the gene mentions, the main one is the digital services coordinator, which is Commission Naman. But it, it's it's an interdepartmental, if you like, approach between several regulators. Okay, and I suppose that the final question then is, uh, what happened this week? Because if you look at a timeline of the DSA, there's like a roadmap that goes a few stops along the way. This week was a landmark moment, but then there's still a bit of road to go. Can you just explain what happened this week and what's yet to happen? Yeah, I mean, there's been a kind of a phased um, bringing into force of this act. So um, the act is on the statute books and for most um companies that are subject to it um it really becomes meaningfully um active next spring but for the vlops it comes into force um on the 25th of august that's right yeah so i mean it's a, it, it, there are various um i suppose timelines and and e- each of which brings in new obligations so we've had a series of dates around new vlops being being named and legislation being passed and so it really is um, a, a tale of several timelines which are being followed. Mm-hmm. So um, we've got the new um, Online Safety Act 
of you know which form the bedrock for the commission demand to be uh, created and, and they're now you know establishing their own statement of work and, and establishing themselves and it's a, it's an iterative process and it, it, it will take some time for i suppose this whole regulatory regime to get upstarted and become effective and um, so it gives platforms a little bit of time um to to get there now mm-hmm. there are hard deadlines like tomorrow where vlops and vlses are are designated to have obligations resting on them but it remains to be seen um you know just how, how much time they have to to effectively put in place their their protocols around this yeah okay so there's going to be a lot of work continuing on in the background as you both said it's been going on uh not just with the big tech companies but obviously a whole host of companies for the last wee while uh, but i feel better yeah. equipped now because i have a better understanding this is one of those things that uh i, I think having your legal background and your legal heads uh, has been very very beneficial so thank you both so much for joining me here on news talk thank you that was Jean kelly and raymond shelley of brown jacobs in ireland and that's it from me this week if you missed any of the show you can listen back in full on the News Talk app powered by Go Loud. I'll be back with Shane and Kira on Monday's News Talk Breakfast. But in the meantime, have a great weekend.